listening to this podcast from Christchurch Blackpool. For more information, please visit ccblackpool.co.uk. So, um, we're just starting this week um, a new series um, about um, our foundations. So, we've started 2022. In fact, we're almost through January, and um, we just thought it would be good. Uh, to um, spend some time going back over what it is we believe we're called to um, and those foundations that we're setting. So this morning, um, we're talking about biblical truth. Um, so, so the, um, and it actually leads on from uh, what Graham talked to us about last week. Um, so, biblical truth is the truth that sets from the Bible, and um, that's important to us because it basically underpins everything that we do as a church. We want to be people who are based in the Bible, that when we speak from the front, when we speak in groups, that the truth we bring to one another, the encouragement that we bring to one another, can be rooted back to what the Bible says. And that's our heart. So when we sing our songs, we want lyrics that belong from or come from the Bible. Um, the, Essentially, as Andrea said, we're not a social club. We're here for a purpose. Um, so that's why it's important. And then on an individual basis, it's important because, as Graham said last week, how are you following Jesus? And a lot of what we get about how we're following Jesus comes out of the Bible. It kind of seems a bit wrong for me to speak about the Bible and the truth that comes from it without giving you some verses. Um, so I've got a couple of verses that I go to bring, but I want to talk about general principles really. Um, so John 8 says um, Jesus was talking to the Jews and he said, um, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And then in Colossians 3, Paul is talking to the, the church in Colossae, and he says, um, Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your heart. Both of these scriptures talk about Jesus, and that's the thing that we recognize. The Bible is all about Jesus. It's about who God is, 
that he sent his one and only son to come to allow us to be set right with God. That when we believe in him, that gives us opportunity to put ourselves in right relationship with God. And that is what the Bible grounds us in. So, the Bible. I did mean to bring my Bible along. So, <laughs> and I then forgot to do it. Because we live in an amazing world, don't we? We live in an amazing time where we have the Bible on our phones, on our computers. We can access it directly from the internet. And not only that, but it's actually translated into a language that we can read. We don't have to spend time learning Hebrew and Greek, but we can actually read it in our own language. But so often we talk about the Bible and we say, it's a book, but actually it's 66 books that have been put together into what we call the Bible. Actually, they aren't books either. They've started life as scrolls. And so that was how they were passed around. They were carefully copied down and um, sent around the world as it was known then. Um, to encourage people. But the thing is, not everybody could read. So the Bible was written in a way that it can be memorized. And that is one of the things that it's designed to be read aloud. So when we meet, part of what we should be doing is reading the Bible out loud. When you're sat at home, encouraging yourself with God, read the Bible out loud. Don't just read in your mind, but read out loud. Because that's the purpose of it, is that there's something that happens when you read scripture out loud. I'm already up against time, so I'm gonna have to rush along. Um, but. The Bible was written, these 66 books were written by about 40 authors. So there's about 40 people who have written down, taken care to write down what God has said. But that's the whole point. There is one author behind it. That's what we believe, that God orchestrated the writing of those books. And so it is him who is behind those 40 authors. It's he who wrote those words, and it's those words that are precious to us. So we've got about 66 scriptures that we have sort of brought to us and assembled into our Bible. But so often people in the world will go, well, it's a historical text. It, it, it tells all about how the Jews sort of um, walked away from God and then they would come back to God and then they'd walk away from God and then they'd come back to God. And it's about 
the trials and tribulations that they went through. And so often it's just seen as a piece of historical text. It's a biography about the Jewish nation. But actually, it isn't. It's 66 books that have lots of different purposes. You see, some of those books, yes, they tell that historical context, but they also tell about um, a purpose behind that context. So it's not history as we might look at it of this event happened and then that event happened and then that event happened and then that event happened. But actually some of the authors go, this event happened and this event happened and this event happened. And what you can see is that they all come together and they speak about Jesus. They speak about the Messiah and how he came to die for us, to rescue us and put us back into right relationship with God. Then there are some that are letters. Some of those scriptures are letters. And those letters go to personal people. So sometimes uh, Paul wrote to Timothy um, to pastorally encourage him. And then there are other letters that are written to corporate churches, to a people. And so we get the letter of Colossae, uh, produced Colossians. That was Paul's letter to the church there. And so you get these different things. There's laments in there. Scripture about crying out to God about the pain of situations. There's what the world would recognize, the legal stuff, the, the rules, the regulations. That's in there. There's wisdom literature, how to live in a right way, a godly way. There's poetry, songs, psalms. There's also prophetic word that comes. Um, the word spoken from God to an individual and they would then speak it to a people that God had instructed that person to speak to. And all of that is very carefully recorded. It, you know, sort of I said it, it's designed for speaking out, but frequently people would say, well, because it's designed for speaking out, how do we know that what God said then was truly captured? But that's kind of dragging our culture into that time, because this word, this scripture that was written down was so key to these people that they would have been meticulous in memorizing it. And there wouldn't be that adaption with that. And so what is written down, we can be confident, is what was spoken. So there's prophetic word. There's even stuff about dreams. You think about revelation, and you think, I don't get it. You know, some of the stuff in Daniel, I don't get it. Because it's dreams, yeah? Why am I telling you all of this? It matters because it's the Bible, but it matters how we read it. Because if we just read it as a historical book, then we're going to lose some of the impact 
but the authors, the author, intended us to grasp that there's an importance to understanding what God is driving at. And the way that they interpret history isn't the way that we would necessarily interpret history. Okay? So it's important that we hold this text carefully, that we hear God speak to us through it. So, we believe in the Bible. Well, you believe in the unicorns then, right? You're all looking slightly bemused or amused, certainly. Let me read to you Psalm 29, verse 6. He maketh them also to skip like a calf, Lebanon and Syrian like a young unicorn. There you have it. <laughs> so we must believe in unicorns, right? But it's funny. Where you read that is in a translation of the Bible. You see, the Bible, as I said, was written in Hebrew and written in Greek. And that actually, sort of what we're reading in English is a translation. And that translation is the King James Bible. And King James was written back in the 1700s, probably when sort of unicorns weren't such a big mythical creature. In fact, I wonder if unicorns came about because people read what was in the Bible and then started to dream and imagine. So let's look at it in another version, in the English Standard Version. We're reading exactly the same passage. He makes Lebanon to skip like a calf and Syrian like a young wild ox. And just to prove that that's not a one-off, in the NIV, it says, he makes Lebanon leap like a calf uh, and Syrian like a young wild ox. Okay? So the probability is that that scripture was written. Now, first of all, it's a psalm. So it's a song. It's poetry. Yeah? And so when you read it, you've got to have your mindset switched to simile, to this is a picture like that, yeah? And so actually what the authors were driving at was that this was probably an ox, but with one horn. But because it had one horn, it was there, it had strength, and it had independence. And that is probably what the author is driving at, that we don't believe in the mythical creature of unicorns, but actually what we point to here is that strength and independence. I should say at this point, if you get challenged on something and you go, what? I don't believe that. And then they point it out to you, it's okay for you to turn around and go, well, that's a very good point. I don't know. I will go and look it up and then come back to them. Yeah? Because you can look these things up, but you can also come and talk to people who are more advanced in the faith. People who have 
been a Christian for longer, who have seen these questions come up and perhaps know a way to respond to them. Um, so the key point is that we know how to handle scripture and um, what our revelation is. So when we talk about biblical truth, I wonder what you think of when you think about the Bible. I wonder if you're trying just to avoid getting speared. I wonder if you're trying to just do the right thing. Maybe you're just trying to run fast enough or to climb that fence quick enough. It's very easy to look at the Bible as a set of rules of this is how we should live. And in fact, the Bible tells us about a group of people who saw the Bible that way, who saw scriptures that way. And they were the Pharisees. And they'd gone and memorized scripture. But then they kind of took that and said, well, now I need to actually create rules so that I don't trip up and do that. And I don't, you know, fall foul of God's good intent and purpose for us. And that's how we get into rules and religion. And I want to say, we try to stay clear of that. If you see us falling into that, in love, please come talk with us. Because you know, we don't want to get religious. As Andrea said, we don't want to get stuck in sticking the chairs out and that that's the important thing about Sunday. Um, no, there's more to it. You see, I prefer to think of the Bible a bit more like this. Isaac and Ethan, when they were young, not any longer, I'm sorry boys, <laughs> might be embarrassing you, um, they would love to come and have a bedtime story. They'd love for you to read to them. And it wouldn't just be one story, it would be another story, and another one, and another one. Let's prolong this as long as I can before I have to go to sleep. And they would come, and sometimes, the other annoying thing, if you've had kids, you know this, they want the same story over and over and over and over again. But the heart of it is kids want to spend time with their parents. They want to spend time hearing and seeing. So the story is important, but actually the real important thing is about time with their parent. And for me, that's what's important. When we read the Bible, yes, the story is interesting and, and we might laugh or we might cry and we might sort of think, God, I'm stuck in this situation. And I read here that the Israelites were stuck in the desert for 40 years and 
oh my God, you're not going to hold me here for 40 years, are you? But that's how we should be reading the Bible, that we're talking with God at the same time as reading through the Bible. That scripture should capture our hearts, but to join them to God's heart. See, the story sparks your imagination. Coming back to that question, how do you see biblical truth? It's amazing, Andrea. I don't, she didn't know what I was going to speak on. Um, and yet the word she brought is we're here for purpose. My challenge was, as a kid, about 12, 13, I used to go swimming and um, I had got all the badges, I'd done everything, I was working, doing it every week, going on swimming lengths, uh, getting right, and um, I'd even got to the point where I was ready to do my life-saving course, my bronze medallion, and um, to do that, I'd learned to swim with my clothes on. If you've ever tried swimming with your shoes on, it's really weird, really difficult. Um, I'd learned to dive, go and pick up bricks off the bottom of the pool. I'd learned to coil a rope together and throw it in to catch sort of somebody and drag them to the side. Um, so I'd done all of these things and I was ready to do the badge. But the problem was, the badge, the certificate, I could only do when I was 15. I think the thought was that you have to be big enough and strong enough to do it at sort of the right age. And doing it before was a bit sort of uh, like people wouldn't be able to do it. So my teacher and, and me, we started doing other things. So I'd go to the diving pool and I'd learn to dive. And I started off diving from the side, just off solid ground into the pool. And then that was, I got the hang of that, no problem. Right, we'll go and do it on the, on the diving board. And um, so I would dive off this diving board. Well, I don't know how many of you have done that, but there's a little spring mechanism here that you can wind either that way or that way. And the person at our pool had wound it all the way to this end, which makes the board at this end spring up and down an awful lot. So I'm, not only am I learning to dive, I'm learning to cope with a board that's almost tipping me into the water. So you're going to the end of this board and sort of wondering if you're going to fall off. And then you're also thinking, is this board going to snap under me? So that am I just going to land in the water? And then you learn to actually cope with all of that and to use the spring to bounce into the water and jump up. And you learn how to dive from that. And then once you've done that, it all becomes a bit mundane. So we go onto the five meter board and we go and try that out. And that's really exciting, that's quite high. And it's still got the springboard and you, you can sort of bounce even further. And what you learn is that sort of 
the further you have to fall, you have to adjust your methodology, your technique, um, in order to dive. And so you actually pitch sort of as though you're going to dive further away the higher up you get. Because um, otherwise you end up going into the water like that and create a huge splash, which is hilarious, but yeah, sort of not what was intended. And after you learn the five meter board, you go, ah, I've got this young lad, 12, 13 year old, I'm gonna go up to the 10 meter board. Now the 10 meter board isn't a board, so to speak, it's just an edge that you jump in from. And you get up to the top, 12, 13 year old. Oh my word! Look behind you, no. Definitely not going down the steps, not down the ladder. Not gonna be a chicken. I'm gonna jump in. Um, yeah, dive in from that height. Not gonna try that, but I'll, I'll jump in. I jumped. And if you haven't done it, my advice to you is point your toes when you enter the water. <laughs> so, but these are things that you learn as you're learning to dive. Why am I telling you this long-winded story? Because the Bible is intended to be our springboard. It's not intended to be that sort of running out the way of the bull, but it's intended for us to spring into life, to jump in. Um, and that's what we're purposed to do, that when we read the Bible, it's meant to give us faith to look to what God is doing, that we're meant to find God, our Father, and then we're meant to find, as Andrea said, our purpose, what we're here to do. So, the challenge for this morning, if you don't remember anything else, just challenge you. Are you hearing the <laughs> behind you? Yeah. So, yeah, I'm not... <laughs> I'm about like I practiced it right. Okay, so quickly skip through this. Um, one of the things that the Bible teaches is that God is love. And Graham Mans asked us last week, what are you doing to follow Jesus? If you just look down at yourself, at your belly, navel gaze, God created you. He is passionate about you. He loves you. And he longs to spend time with you. All of this is contrary to what we read, what society tells us, that God created you. And he didn't create you just to leave you out there. He created you and wants you to be with him. He wants to spend time with you. That's where we find our purpose. You see, when we spend time with God, 
he longs to show us new revelation. Contrary to opinion, being an academic, I don't know everything. Yeah? <laughs> Thanks, Adam. That's perfect. <laughs> and you know what? God has new things to show me. When I was saying about unicorns, yeah? It amazed me because sort of when I first heard that sort of, well, Christians believe in unicorns. It's all fairy tales. You know, actually, sort of, you go, no, I don't. And then you have to reason why. But that reasoning comes through relationship with God that we learn to um, learn things from God. Second thing, just look around. He has put you into a church, into not into a building, not a place where we come to get nice swanky worship. Thank you, John. Um, that you know, he has put you into a church, into a people that he's building together. And the question is. Now the rubber starts hitting the road because what are you doing to follow Jesus? Jesus is love. That was what he demonstrated, was that um, it's very easy to serve yourself. But I love seeing it when people come and see Clem sat down and they go, Clem, would you like a drink? Let me go up and get you one. Yeah, that's love being expressed. It's seeing how we can serve one another, not for your benefit, but for Clem's benefit, for John's benefit, for the benefit of those around us. Okay, now, those of you who can, stand up. And turn around to that wall. I deliberately pulled up the blinds. God loves Blackpool. Not the town, not the, the tower, the buildings. God loves the people who make up Blackpool. And he loves them as much as he loves you and as much as he loves us. His purpose is that he is passionate about the people out there. He's longing for them to hear about him, to be people who come into our presence and experience him. You can sit down. But here's the challenge. What are you doing to um, demonstrate to the world out there what Jesus did for them? It's that opportunity to go and speak with your neighbor. Not to speak necessarily overtly about what Jesus has done, 
but just to love them, just to sort of offer support and prayer. And when they ask, why are you doing that? Because believe you me, it's unusual in our society for us to worry about others and not be out for ourselves. When you do that, they'll ask you, why are you doing that? Why are you always positive? That there, speaking to myself here, that there is an opportunity to say, well, it's because of what Jesus did for me. Finally, if you haven't come across it, it just launched recently. I want to plug the Bible Project and their app. Um, this is an app designed to help you read the Bible. It sets the context about the types of books in there, the types of literature, and it also talks you through about how to link things together, how to, oh, I read something about sort of trees, and let's link through. I read something about meals, let's link that through. I read something about Jesus and what he did to meet with people, let's link that through. And all of these things will come up, but just want to encourage you, um, they're not associated with us, so I'm not saying definitively that everything they teach would be what we would teach, but thus far, I haven't found a thing that I would disagree with. And it has helped me enormously to work through and see things that I haven't seen before. So, with that, let me just pray. Father God, we just thank you so much that you are a speaking God, that you've spoken to us throughout the couple of hours that we spent together in your presence. Lord, I thank you that just as John, Ben and I prayed this morning, Lord, you have been with us, you've delighted to be with us, and you've, you've passed on your heart. Lord, I pray that that would continue. Lord, I pray that we would be a church that springs from your word into the life out there, that we're a church that reaches out to the people you love out there. Thank you, God. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening. For more information, downloads and podcasts, please visit ccblackpool.co.uk.